Welcome back to Wednesday night service. I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for this word, Lord. God, I ask that you would speak to us tonight, God, by your word, by your spirit, Father, that you would speak to us the things you would have us to know, God, that we would bring forth fruit for your kingdom, Lord. God, touch your families tonight. God, touch your people tonight, Father. Witness um, your power to us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just give you all praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing in the book of Colossians. So um, if you missed some, they're online. Uh, last week, Pastor uh, Kevin had a great word about the supernatural, and um, he he ended on talking about uh, the spirit of deception and how that it was possible even the very elect could be deceived. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. I'm going to be in Colossians 1, verses 19 through 23. So read with me if you have your Bibles. Go to that or your app. You can read with me. For it pleased the Father that in him... All the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, And are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So the occasion of this letter was that um, there was the appearance of false teaching that threatened the spiritual future of the Colossian church. Um, Oftentimes, uh, Paul's letters were written to uh, help that church with certain problems going on, but as... um, as you had seen, they're in pagan cultures, and so there was they were introducing all these things into the church. So in, in the Colossian church specifically, the exact heresy is not known, but it is apparent it's a strange mixture of Christian teaching with extra-biblical Jewish traditions and pagan philosophy, not uncommon to what we have in some circles today. So Paul wrote his letter to the church in Colossus for a few different reasons to combat the dangerous false teaching that was supplanting Christ's centrality and supremacy in creation, in revelation, in redemption, and the church. He wrote to make clear the apostolic revelation of Christ as the son of God and to stress the true nature of life in Christ and its fruit in the believer. So we're going to, as we get into the book of Colossians, you're going to see these themes kind of flow throughout that. And, and like I said, the purpose was for, um, Paul writing to the Colossian church was that they would know and maintain the faith That was delivered unto them. If you go back to verse 23, he said, if indeed you continue in the faith, you will be grounded and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard. My sermon tonight is called grounded and steadfast. So according to the scripture, then how do we stay grounded and steadfast? And and Paul says, if you continue in the faith. So there is an ongoing human response that Paul states is necessary before we appear before him blameless. 
The Lord has done his part and we must do ours. Like Paul, we have a race to run with endurance and perseverance, maintaining the faith. Um, I don't, I don't know if you guys have been watching or had watched the ESPN documentary on, um, it was called The Last Dance. It was about Michael Jordan and, um, and a lot of people don't like Michael Jordan, not because he wasn't great at what he does. And, and when you see the, the documentary, you know, he's not really such a nice person, but he excelled at the game of basketball. He excelled at persevering, he excelled at winning, and he did everything within his power to win the games. He would tell himself things in his mind that that would help him to overcome, you know. So uh, as I was watching that, I was like, he is to basketball what Paul is to the faith. If we are going to have that same kind of perseverance and endurance, we got to be about it. That it's all we think about, it's all we care to do is to follow the Lord all the days of our life to walk in the faith. And we have to have that same mindset and determination as Paul did about the Christian walk. And now more than ever, we need to be grounded and steadfast in the faith because the enemy is fast at work among us and he is a master at deception. In 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a Greek lesson here. I'm going to break this down for you. Now, to depart is the Greek translation of to distance oneself from, to step away or withdraw from, to shrink away. It's where we get the word apostate or apostasy, okay? And so this departing then, it depicts a departure that is slow. It's over a period of time. It pictures a person who changes his position and withdraws from one he once believed, okay? This process occurs so gradually that those who are in the process of departing may not even realize they are in this transition of departing. It's little by little. They're backing away from once they want believed and adhered to, and they're moving toward something different. And the verse goes on to say, some shall depart from the faith as we near the end of the age. If you look around you folks, we are at the end of of the age. We are in the book of Revelation. There are things going on around the world. There's things going on that um, the Bible has foretold, and these things are coming to pass. So some shall depart from the faith. And this is important to understand because there's two words put together. It's not some shall depart from their faith. It's some shall depart from the faith. Now, this is used several times, and Paul uses the same descriptions of the faith. Now, faith in the Greek, when added with the article of the, it tells us he's not talking about raw faith. He's not talking about by faith are you saved. He's not, that's not the faith that he's talking about of a faith of a person, I know, of our personal faith in Jesus Christ. When you put these two words together, it's referring to a doctrine of some sort. It's referring to the long-held, time-tested teaching of Scripture. 
This verse categorically means that at the end of the age, there will be a departure from the clear teaching of scripture. A little by little distancing, people will distance themselves from God's truth and embrace something different. Does not say people will reject the faith. Although this is true, we know that there are those who reject the faith. But it says specifically, they will depart from the faith. And there's a great difference in rejecting the faith and departing from the faith. Rejecting is deliberate. Departing is unintentional. So why are they departing from the faith? He tells us. Because they give heed to these seducing, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. This word, these words here, giving, give, giving heed means, um, is from the Greek meaning to embrace, okay? And it pictures those who believed one thing for a long amount of time, but now as a result of some influence, They are gradually releasing what they formerly believed and switching their focus to something else. So it's a picture then of those who are slowly and surely releasing what has been known, what has been familiar, what was precious and what was dear to them to embrace something new and different through a spirit of deception. Now I have watched this happen. I have watched this happen um, in, in, I have uh, close friends that I've, that have been Christians for a long time, quite honestly, 30 plus years, they've been Christians and I have watched them slowly that even now they are saying things and doing things and acting a different way than even what they would have done 10 years ago. They're saying things they didn't believe 10 years ago. They're doing things they would have never done 10 years ago. 10 years ago, they held fast to the word of God. But through deception now, they are, be, they are saying and doing things that are completely contrary to scripture. And still claiming to know Christ. And think about this. If in the Garden of Eden... <clears throat> The perfect place, the perfect atmosphere where there was no sin, where Adam walked with God in his presence, unencumbered, that they were deceived. How much more so can we be deceived that are here in a fallen, sinful world? Genesis 3.13, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So how much more so then do we have to be on guard against deception in our own life? Deception, deception right now is very rampant. Um, even I, I say even among the churches, but especially among the churches. And one of the things that, um, studying revelation like I have is the very clear example in scripture of how five out of seven, do the math, that's five over seven, that's like, you know, what? what's the percentage of that? It's more than half, can tell you that much. <clears throat> five out of seven churches were so in sin that the Lord had to tell them 
they were in sin because they were deceived into believing they were okay. And the last message to the church in Laodicea of the lukewarm church, they even say, oh, they, Christ says, you say of yourself, you're rich and, and you have all these things. And he said, but you don't even realize that you're poor and naked and destitute. They didn't even realize that. Why? Because deception had infiltrated them and, and they were in a lukewarm state and Christ had to tell them that. Another letter is Jude's letter to the church. And, and Jude said in it, he started out that he was going to write to them about the nature of salvation, but his plan was interrupted by news that false teachings were attempting to infiltrate the church. And so Jude then, like a commanding officer, he raises his voice and he calls upon the saints to earnestly contend for the purity of the faith and to defeat error. Jude 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. Here we have it again, the the definite article, the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So out of necessity and urgency, he tells the church then, earnestly contend for the faith. Like I said, it's not this raw faith of, of uh, uh, faith, you know, by, by grace are you saved through, through uh, faith, not of yourself, lest any man should boast. That's not what he's talking about, Okay. He says, earnestly contend for the faith. And, and um, in the Greek here, it's actually a picture of two wrestlers that are agonizing to win over the other in a wrestling match. Okay. So he says they're contending. Okay. So both are working to gain the advantage and hurl their opponent to the ground, exerting every ounce of strength and skill to win a very intense physical match. So he's telling them like the wrestlers and, you know, uh, I did not wrestle, but pastor Matt wrestled. And, you know, I, I just remember him telling me of how much energy that he expended in a three minute match. How much energy was expended? He would just be spent. And so this is what Jude is telling them here. He says, you are to contend for the truth that, that a wrestler would try to wrestle down another human because that, that what's coming against you is evil. They're bringing in, they're bringing in false theologies. They're bringing in false doctrines and you are to contend against them. Fight for the truth. And it's a picture of people wrestling between issues of truth and deception. And because the deception is attempting to overcome truth, then we have a responsibility to rise to the occasion, do all we must do to defend and guard the purity of the faith. This is what Jude is saying. He's not saying go argue on Facebook. But we are also not supposed to sit idly by. Contend for the faith. So this begs the question then, what is the faith? Well, I'm going to tell you because you're captive here tonight. Well, you're not captive. Don't turn it off because I said that. Just stay with me. Okay. 
So part of the faith is our scripture. And there's a huge reason that the Bible is coming under hard attack, okay? And this has been a recurring theme throughout history. And uh, and you might have heard me talk about this guy before. There was a guy named Marcion who was in the second century church. And he taught that the Old Testament was not for the people of God. Okay? Does that sound familiar to you? It should. Because that's being taught today still. He taught that Jesus was not the same God as the Old Testament God. He taught that Jesus was a higher deity than that of the Old Testament God. Marcion, who, by the way, considered himself a follower of Paul. He considered himself a follower of Paul. He considered himself to be a Christian in the faith. He also taught that most of the writings of the New Testament were not needed as well. He was the one that introduced Gnosticism. He changed scripture. He he wrote 10 Pauline epistles, but he omitted the pastoral epistles and he shortened the version of the gospel of Luke. This is why what version you read is very important. Okay. And there, there is also, um, been of recently a notable and very influential pastor proclaiming that we need to detach from the old Testament, that we don't need the scriptures, that we have the cross. It's central to our faith. And that's all that matters. And this is the same heresy that Marcion brought into the church back in the second century church. Cause there's nothing new under the sun. The scriptures then are foundational to the faith that we are to contend for. And the Bible containing the Old Testament and the New Testament is alone the only infallible, inspired word of God. Its authority is ultimate, final, and eternal. It cannot be added to, subtracted from, or superseded in any regard. Its author is God. Salvation is its end. And truth, without any mixture of error for its matter, the Bible is a source of all doctrine, instruction, correction, and reproof. It contains all that is needed for guidance and godliness and practical Christian conduct. Scripture is inerrant and the authoritative rule of faith and conduct. This is foundational to our faith. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's all scripture. And, and, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. When, when um, Paul told Timothy this, he was talking about the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. So he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. First Thessalonians 2.13 For this reason we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard from us you welcomed him not as the word of men but as it is in the truth the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. So the word of God works in those who believe. Second Peter 1, 19 through 21. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises.
baptizes in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Folks, scripture is foundational to our faith. Don't be moved from it. You don't add to it. You don't subtract from it. Um, I don't care what the world says. It only matters what God says. We, we obey God. We obey God's word. We live at peace with all men, but not if it conflicts with God's word. And we contend for the faith. The next thing that concerns the faith is the deity of Christ. And Paul continually refuted and contended with others about the supremacy of Christ. This was constantly under attack. In verse 19, he said, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. See, Jesus was not just a teacher. He was not just a prophet. He was not a good uh, and moral man. He was God in the flesh. The fullness of the Godhead with all of it represents uh, represents and all that it represents reside in Christ. Second Corinthians five nineteen says that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So when you look at most cults, they will always attack in some form the deity of Christ. And just because someone names the name of Jesus does not mean they are in the truth. And you have to be careful that you are not creating your own Jesus, a Marcionite Jesus. John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So in the beginning, Christ always was. He was the Word brought forth that was made manifest. He was the Word that created everything. Okay? Mark 12 29 through 30, Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. So part of, and you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So part of the first commandment is here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, reconciling the world back to the father. Another part of our faith that is central to the faith is that reconciliation to the father is only made possible through the blood of Christ. In verses 21 and 20 and 21 in this scripture, <clears throat> Paul is telling the Colossian church and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of cross, blood of his cross and you who are once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. So any message of reconciliation without the shedding of the blood of Christ is not of the faith. See, there's a lot of preaching on God's love. But if the love of God that is being preached does not include the cross of Christ, it's not of the faith. The cross must be preached if men are to be reconciled to the Father. 
And it's only through Christ's shed blood that we can have remission of sins. A lot of people preach the love of God, but there's no mention of the the shed blood. That's why Christ was sent to die on the cross. So when, when he said that um, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he gave him to be a sacrifice for our sins. That's why he was giving because we had to be set free from sin. And it was only through the blood of Christ that we could be set free from sin. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no remission of sins. There's no reconciliation without the blood of Christ. And the cross is an offense to men because it brings us face to face with our own sin. The cross represents death, death to our own life so that we can rise with him. And, and when we come face to face with the cross, we have a choice to make that we can continue to live in our flesh or we can be crucified with Christ and live a new life in him. And any message of reconciliation that does not include repentance, which is that death to the old man and complete forgiveness of sins, life in the new man, is not of the faith. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 24, 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Any message that teaches because of God's grace, you can continue to live in your sins and inherit eternal life is deceptive and is not of the faith. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Because grace teaches us how to live right and morally according to the word of God. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Paul tells them, deception has crept in and do not be deceived. He says, neither fornicators or idolaters or adulterers or homosexuals or sodomites, no thief or covetous or drunkards or revilers or extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And he said, and such were some of you. But now you are washed, you are sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Galatians five nineteen through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, decessions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you before, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, in all these churches were believing these things because deception had crept into the church early on. And any message that says that Jesus' blood is not all sufficient to make us holy and perfectly clean is also not of the faith. Paul says, verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you 
holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. See, his blood has the power to make you whole and wholly clean. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things become new. Any message that tells you that there's a sin that you can't be made new from is a lie. Don't believe it. You can be made whole. You can be a new creation in Christ. And you can be holy and blameless in his sight. His death and and his blood is all sufficient. His blood cleanses me from all my sin, guilt, and shame. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to to serve the living God? His blood has the power to heal my heart, mind, body, and soul. Isaiah 53, 4 through 5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That's our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And in that healing was healing for everything to make a man whole. Everything, spirit, mind, body, and soul. There's nothing we have to go outside of what he provided on the cross. His blood is all sufficient. And his blood has given me the power to overcome sin and the devil. See, what God asks of us and requires of us, he's already given us. He asks us to not sin, and he gave us the means by we, where we, which we could actually overcome sin in our life. First John 3, 8 and 9 says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not continue to sin for a seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. We have been given the ability to overcome all sin, all shame, all death. We have that by his blood. Trust in that, folks. These are the things that we must continue to contend for. If we are going to be grounded and steadfast in the faith. Paul said, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and you are not moved away, not by deception, not by the world, not by your family, but you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul became a minister. Get in your word of God. Know what the word of God says. Know the all supremacy and sufficiency of the blood of Christ. Bow your heads. We're going to pray. And I want to invite you tonight. If you don't know the Lord, I want to invite you tonight to receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you would humble yourself And ask him to forgive you. It says he is gracious and just to forgive you all your sins. And cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
If you have guilt, he can wash it away. He can wash away your sin. He can wash away your guilt. He can wash away your shame. And he can make you a brand new person. And he can heal your heart. If you need healing tonight, just cry out to him and say, Lord, heal my heart. Heal my mind. Heal my body. Heal my soul, God. Let him bring you back into fellowship with the Lord if you've been far away. Just cry out to him wherever you are. Ask him. Rely on his word. Have faith and trust in his word that it is true and it is just and it will endure forever. And contend for the faith. Father, we thank you. For tonight, God, I thank you for this word. Lord, let it just go down deep into our souls, Lord, and let us people that we rise up and that we would contend for the faith, God, that we would be grounded and steadfast. We would be rooted in your word and rooted in the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, that we would not be deceived, God, that you would deliver us from deception, deliver us from those temptations that cause us to stray from you. Father, ground us. In your word, God, ground us in the faith tonight by the blood of the Lamb, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God. We just give you all praise and glory and honor, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We got church on Sunday, 8 30, drive in service, and 10 o'clock online. If you need to watch it online, hope to see you there. Have a good night.